Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Good morning, everybody. I'm super excited to share with you um, something that's near and dear to my heart. Probably one of my favorite things we do every single year, um, and it's our legacy series. And uh, you could say it this way, legacy, where my life lives on without me. So a question for you this morning. Why would a man plant a tree for fruit that he may never eat himself? No doubt watching the video like that that you saw, you may be asking yourself that same question. I didn't plant this tree for me. I didn't plant this tree for me. Scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. Eternity in the hearts of man. And here's what I know from the years that I've been serving God. When we follow God, he orients our perspective forward toward the future. Does he not? Absolutely. There's something about us following God. You can't help it. Our eyes, our gaze, our, our focus shifts toward the future. Scripture tells us he's put eternity in the hearts of men. I got, I, got, I got an example of this the other day, just driving to church. I think I might have told you that day. Um, we're driving, my, my three oldest children uh, were in the car with me, and we were just driving down the road. It takes us a few minutes to get, get to church. And uh, Cole looked over and he said, hey, Dad, I was thinking, um, what, if, what if one day Harlem, this Isaac, he was just up here, Isaac's son, um, he's what, five months old? Six, about to be six months old. He said, what if, what if one day Harlem sang on stage for church like his daddy does? I said, I, I like that. I think his mom and daddy would like that too. Um, I could see that happening. Both of them are very musically gifted and, and all that. Again, both of us looking forward, you know, driving down the road. He says, you know, I was, what if, what if maybe Silas Silas is the oldest son of Ryan and Tammy. Ryan oversees our kids' ministry. Um, over there. He says, what if, what if, what if Silas like, did kids' church like his daddy does? I like that. I think it'd be good. Yeah, I, I see that. Okay, all right. A few minutes later, goes, you know, I was thinking, Daddy, maybe one day, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I could preach like you do on Sunday morning. And I said, I think that'd be amazing, son. I think you'd do a great job um, doing that. But here's this 13-year-old boy on his way to church. I don't know what he's thinking about. I don't know, but I can tell you where his mind was oriented. I can tell you the things he's been thinking about. And he gets here. He, he wakes himself up every Sunday morning to get dressed, to be ready to go to church with dad. God has set his focus forward. And I'm telling you, he's put the future in the heart of a boy. 
And even at the age of 13, he's thinking about the future. How many of you, when you were little, you, you, you did that? You, you thought, man, when I grow up, this is what I'm going to be. When I, when I grow up, or, or some of you are thinking, man, when I retire, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. Forward thinking, future thinking. And I think there's a part of us, too, that would ask this question. You know what? When I die, I want this to be said about me. I want this to be what I'm remembered for. What are the things my kids are going to say? You know, Papa always said. Mama always, always said. Can I tell you, I think, I not only think it's a gift from God to look forward, I think it's expected of us by God to be looking forward, to be thinking forward, to be planning for eternity. And again, what Paul Paul Winston said, I didn't plant this tree for me. I think about that, 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 that story right there. I'm like, man, what trees have I planted? What trees am I planting? And can I tell you, one of my favorite things that we do every single year as a church is we give beyond ourselves. We plant trees that we won't ever eat the fruit from. And we live outside and beyond ourselves. And we picture this idea. God orients us toward a future without us, but still influenced by us. And I love that. Can I tell you, churches have a tendency to look inward. They, they do. And it's, it, it just kind of comes naturally. They get up and go and they start spinning around. And the people who are new, been here for a while, and they really like it. And things just happen to get to where we make things the way we like things. And we continue to look inward and look inward. And we stop looking outward. And we stop reaching. And we stop building. And it's just a natural thing that churches have to do. And I love that we make an emphasis every year to remind ourselves that we're not in this for us. We are not in this for us. Every one of us today, every single person in here is sitting in a room in a pew that somebody else planted for you to be able to sit here. How many of you are grateful that somebody provided a place for you to have a building to come to, to worship, to watch your kids grow and serve the Lord? Some of my favorite worship times is when I have my, my daughter Madeline right beside me and she gets after it. I'm like, God. Thank you for this place that somebody would think beyond themselves to create a place for us to do that, a place to worship, a place to impact our community for the kingdom of God. And every year, there's a tree, something that we have the opportunity to plant now so that later it can grow to maturity and other people will have the opportunity to receive from something that we planted now. How many of you can see it? You, you can see an opportunity we have. To, and listen, there'll always be trees to plant. There should always be trees to plant. And the day that there are no longer trees for us to plant is the day that we've stopped reaching and the day that we've stopped building and the day that we're no longer making a difference in our community. Can you say that with me? Make a difference make a difference. And that's what I want us to think about today, making a difference. And I would say it this way, legacy, simply put, is this. Without me, it would stay the same. Without me, it would stay the same. Can I tell you, 
I don't want to spend an entire life on this earth only to go to be with my heavenly father and then look back and everything be exactly as the same as it was before I got there. I think I'm missing something if I can't live this life in a way that lives outside of me. That's the highest level of living. That after you're gone, something, someone, somewhere would be different as a result of the life that you lived. Look at Psalms 112, verses 5 through 6. God's orienting our minds. It says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Look at this. They will be remembered forever. Can I tell you that's what I want for you, that you would discover how to live your life in a way that outlives you. It goes goes beyond you. Can I tell you, each of us have a limited amount of time, don't we? Limited amount of time. Each of us have a limited set of abilities. There's only some things we're good at and some things that that we're not good at. And the reality is each of us have a limited set of resources, do we not? Maybe you do. If you've figured out how to have an unlimited amount of resources, can you let the rest of us know? Because we're still looking. We're still trying to figure it out. Limited time, limited ability, limited resources. And scripture tells us that there's a way to live that will make sure that what's limited in your life today won't be limited in the future. That what's limited now can be planted in the ground and bear fruit that generations beyond you can reap from. How many of you would you like to live a legacy that allows other people to experience a life through you, because of you, but beyond you once you're done? Do I have your attention so far? Are y'all ready to dig in and see what God's word says? You can take it with you. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. But can I tell you, I think it goes one step further. God has put eternity into the hearts of man, not just so they'll be thinking about eternity, but I think it's because he expects something eternal from us. He put it there so we'd be thinking about it, so we'd be oriented toward it, so we could be moving in that direction. Here's my question. Why is it that there's such a temptation for us to think only about ourselves? A selfish pull, right? To only consider the the here and now. Isn't that the root of all the disunity that we see in the world today? People worried only about themselves, only about what can I get now, or you did this and it's affecting my right now, and there's arguments and fights and all the disunity is because we're thinking selfishly about ourselves. Do you think the enemy would tempt us to think selfishly if God's plan wasn't for us to live selflessly where we're headed? I don't know about you, but in my house, I get to play referee quite often. I think for Father's Day, instead of a tie, I need a black and white striped shirt um, because the kids just get after it, and I have to go and referee. And oftentimes, when we're in the middle of confronting something that they're arguing about, here's the question I'll ask. Hey, bud, listen, who were you thinking about? In the middle of that, con- I know he did this. I know she said that. I know they took, blah, blah. who were you thinking about? Just thinking about myself. Yeah. And if you had been thinking about them, how would you have acted differently? 
well, I, I probably wouldn't have done that or said that or been there. That's the root of disunity is selfish thinking. And if we're going to be the kind of congregation that unites a community around a purpose that God has put in our hearts, that have planted the things that God has put us, oriented us toward his kingdom, we can't think about ourselves. We have to be thinking about other people. The Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome um, is, is so profound, and in part of it, he's kind of addressing this disagreement. It's, it's brilliant the way that he addresses this disagreement that this church is having and these individuals are having. Here's what he does. He doesn't point them to the problem. He points them to the future. He points them to the future. He says, you're worried about all of this right now, but I'm telling you, there's something forward in the future, and if you can get your eyes off of yourself and start looking forward, it'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you act. I'm going to show you. Here's where it is. In Romans chapter 14, he gives us a glimpse into eternity. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all, who's he talking about? All of us. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Look at this. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. It's heavy. It's heavy. But that's how Paul addressed disunity. That's how Paul addressed conflict. He's saying, listen, I know you're worried about you, but you need to be worried about that day when we stand before God and give an account for the way that we live, for the things that we did and said. I was having a conversation with a man a couple years ago, and we were just talking casually in conversation, and we were talking about parenting and the way that I parent, and we were talking about my life, and I just said this. I said, man, I'm just, it's just sobering to me that one day I'm going to stand before God accountable for how I've parented my children and accountable for how I live today. It was just a statement. It rolled off my tongue. I wasn't thinking anything of it until he said, well, I, I don't agree with that at all. I'm I'm not accountable to anybody. Scripture's going to disagree with you pretty clearly, my friend. The Bible says we're all going to stand before God, accountable to him. There's no like give an account means something different in Greek. It means God's going to be there, and you're going to be there, and he's going to ask you some questions. All of us will take a final exam. And you thought you were done with school. (laughs) All of you will take a final exam, and all of us will be accountable to the one who gives that final exam. Now, fortunately for you, I was a very popular student in school. Um, As I remember it, it had a lot to do with my good looks and my athleticism. No, the, tr- the truth is, I was a really, really good student, and I was only really popular at two times. One was group projects, and the other was test time. That's when I was the most popular person. Group project and test. How many of you were the group project, like you were the leader, everybody was going to do good because you were in the group, okay? How, you're not raising your hand. You don't want to be identified. I get it. I get it. I'll have a small group for us group, group people. Um, later, how many of you knew who the person was and you wanted to be in their group? 
Yeah, okay, better. I, I, I appreciate that. School always came easy for me. Tests came easy. And as a result, friends came easy uh, to me as well. Can I tell you today, let me be your friend. And let me tell you how to pass this final exam that God has for us. When we stand there before him, all of us, and are accountable to, to God. The Bible calls them two judgments or two tests, if you will. And here's the first one. Here's the first one. This is for everybody. Here's the first question he's going to ask. What did you do with my son, Jesus? You're going to stand before God at the end of the day. All of your planting, everything that you've done, the things that you've lived, the whole life is over, and you're going to stand before God. It's called the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20 says it this way. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. That's another way of saying there's nowhere else to go. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. This is not a true false test. This is not a fill in the blank. This is not multiple choice. There's no Scantron. You don't need to sharpen a number two pencil. But can I tell you the worst part about this exam is you've already submitted your answer by the time you get there. And again, if I'm going to be the pastor, I want to be to you. I need you to understand one day you're going to stand before God. I need to help you orient your future, your thinking toward eternity in the middle of this. And we'll all be asked this question. What did you do with my son, Jesus? And we're all going to give answers. I tell you, there's some wrong answers you can give in that moment. Here's one of them. I went to church and I sang about Jesus. It's a wrong answer. I, every weekend, I listen to this really good-looking preacher talk about him. Why are y'all laughing? It's supposed to make me feel good about myself. Listen, good-looking, ugly preacher, it don't matter. It won't fly before the judgment seat of God that you showed up in church every, every Sunday, every time the doors were open, and you just learned about it. You may say, well, I, I read a book about him. That's what I did with Jesus. I read, it's a wrong answer. You may say, I believed that he was real and I believed that he was your son. God, can I tell you? Wrong answer. Now I've got your attention. Now I've got your attention. They're good things to do, but they're still the wrong answer. Pastor Don, how do we pass this test? How do we pass this test? Scripture tells us Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Look at this. Not everyone, these are the words of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to stop right there. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Look at this. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
you workers of lawlessness. Let me help you pass this test. All of eternity is based on relationship, not on religion. It's based on relationship, not on religion. It's based on who you know, not what you know. Can I tell you, that's why he's placed eternity on the hearts of men. He hasn't placed it on the heads of men because there's nothing for you to know. Like, knowing more is going to get you there. He hasn't even placed eternity in the hands of men as if there was something man could do in order to get there. No, no, no. He's placed eternity in the heart of man because there's someone for you to know personally. What did you do with my son, Jesus? There's only one right answer, and it's this. I knew him personally. I knew him personally. That's the first question, the first exam. Listen, if you answer that one correctly, there'll be a second question, a second judgment. And here's the, here's, here's the question. You ready? What did you do with what I gave you. What did you do with what I gave you? This one's called the judgment seat of Christ, and it's a judgment that determines your reward in heaven. Look at this in in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.10. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I tell you this, think celebration. Think of rewards ceremony. Jesus is excited about this one. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then, look at this, he will repay each person according to what he has done. And when I, when I first read this, it kind of felt weird. I'm like, God, I, I, it feels weird that you'd repay me. For, I, I'm, I'm doing this for you. I don't, I don't need repayment. I'm not, I'm not trying to earn anything or, or, or do anything. Can I just tell you, it's weird that God, you'd think God would repay or reward each person, but that's what Scripture says. Look at this, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he what? He rewards those who seek him. God is a rewarder. It's a reward. It's okay to think that way. He wants you to be thinking eternity. He wants you to be thinking, when you get there, you're going to stand before me. Let's talk right now. What did you do with what I gave you? How do we pass this test? I tell you, there's a better question than how do we pass the test, and it's this. How do I live a life that God rewards. How do I live a life that God rewards? And listen, I'm telling you, you gotta look inside for this one. You gotta look inside for this one. Every single one of us can, what has God given you? God's given you a life. God's given you time. He's given you skills. God has given you experiences. God has given you failures. God has given you successes, he's given you ideas, he's given you money, he's given you opportunity, he's given you breath in your lungs. What did you do with what I gave you? Can I tell you, 
God expects us to leverage each of those things for his kingdom and for his glory. He would not orient our eyes and our minds and everything toward the future if he didn't expect something from us from that. How do we leverage those things to make a difference for eternity? How are you using what God has given you to make a difference for eternity? How is your life going to outlive you? What did you do with what I gave you? Can I tell you there's a right answer to that one? I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to be popular with you when the day's over. Here's, here's the answer. I gave my life away. I gave my life away. The only way that you can say that is if you truly learn that this life is not about this life. I'm going to say that again. The only way you can stand before God and say, I gave my life away, is if you truly believe that this life is not about this life. I'm not supposed to build a great church with my life. I'm supposed to leave a great church for those that are coming behind me with my life. I'm not supposed to be a great parent to Cole, Madeline, Avery, Garrett, and Elodie. I'm supposed to teach them how to be great parents to their children and their children's children all the way down. My life is not about my life. It's about the future of where I'm headed. Y'all follow me so far? Listen, either this is great preaching and I'm hitting home, or y'all have lost me a long time ago. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The first sentence in Rick Warren's best-selling nonfiction heart, the best-selling nonfiction hardback in history called The Purpose Driven Life. Look at the very first sentence in this book. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. It's, it's forward thinking. It's beyond me thinking. It's eternity thinking. It's legacy thinking. It's I didn't plant this tree for me thinking that gets you there. It must be intentional. Can you say that word with me? Intentional. It must be intentional. You won't live a legacy life if you're not intentional. It takes a great deal of intentionality to live this life in a way that it's not about this life. You don't just accidentally end up with rewards when you get to heaven. It's got to be intentional in the middle of this. Look at this. Three ways to be intentional with your life, and then I'll let you go get some good lunch. Number one, I will intentionally give what I have. I will intentionally give what I have. Would you believe me if I told you that you were given what you have on purpose, that there were no accidents involved? God's intending you to provide, to bring, to give, to, to sow, to plant into this world something, and he chose you to be able to do it. Listen, God, we need your contribution. We need what God has put you on this planet to do because he's given it to you uniquely. Is there anybody in here that's exactly like anybody else? Answer? No. Is there anybody in here gifted like anybody else? No. Even your pastor, as cool as he is, I am not as gifted as Isaac. I'm up here watching him saying, 
God, this dude, I thought he was about to take off today. In the middle of this. And listen, if he's not doing what God's called him to do, we miss out. We miss out in the middle of this. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I'll say it this way. We are blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. And if it gets to us, then it needs to get through us so that it can bring thanksgiving to God. Look at this. I'm going to teach you for just a minute. Intentional giving involves two things. It involves priority and percentage. And I want you, if you remember anything, remember these two words, priority and percentage. I want you to write those down. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, talking about priority and percentage. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. I love the New, Li- the New Living Translation says it this way, don't wait until I get there to collect it all at once. Look what this says. As God blesses you financially, support the local church where he's placed you to build. Choose a percentage of your income and make it a priority for your life to give. You say, well, Pastor Don, I, listen, I, you don't know my finances are kind of a mess right now. I mean, I love God and all, I just can't. I, I, can, I, I mean, I can only give 2%. That's fine. But do it first. Let that be the first 2% that you give, the first 2% that you decide on, the first 2% that you commit. Make it a priority, and then watch what happens throughout the month as you do that. As you prioritize and put God first, there's going to be something left over at the end. And if you keep doing that as a habit, I promise you, priority and percentage. Here's another thing. Intentional giving involves planting more trees. So what are you talking about, Pastor Don? Planting more trees. There are more people to reach. There are more lives to build. We're not done. It's, it's not our Savior's church. Reached people built lives. No, no. It's reaching people, building lives. How many of you have a loved one that doesn't know the Lord yet? How many of you have an empty seat next to you because you know somebody that needs to be sitting there and you're praying for them to do that? There will be more trees to plant as we continue to do this. And listen, on November 6th, I want you to mark this down. On November 6th, we're going to receive our legacy offering. November 6th, our legacy offering. What are you talking about, Pastor Don? Every campus is partnering together, and every year we give above and beyond our regular giving, above and beyond, to make sure that we can plant trees to address local, national, and international opportunities for ministry because there are needs and trees to be planted. And I want, you to be, I want you to be a part of that November 6th. I'll tell you more about it as we go. Can I share a few of the things, a few of the trees that I think God has put on our heart? That again, we're going to move on pace with your generosity. We're going to plant as many trees as we're able to plant. And this house can produce an orchard if we'll allow God to focus us on eternity. I'm going to show you some of these. Legacy 2022, here's some of the trees that we're going to plant that you get to be a part of. You ready for the first one? Our next church campus will be launched this coming year. 
Okay. Those of you that clap know somebody that needs a campus. The rest of us must not know anybody. Our next campus is launching this year. Well, Pastor Don, I'll applaud if you'll tell me where it is. I I will. You'll find out soon. Don't worry. Don't worry. Here's the next tree, the next thing we're going to do with Legacy. We're going to launch a fully accredited Our Savior's College of Ministry. It's happening. And you say, listen, Pastor John, why are you so excited about the College of Ministry? Because we've got high schoolers that are being equipped for ministry that need a place to go. And I've been telling them, listen, we're building it next door. Y'all better get after it because I've got students I need to send or they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to build somewhere else. We're stacking the pipeline and are creating an opportunity, not just to be educated. I'm talking housed and equipped to do ministry within the local church. It'd be one thing to say we're going to go and plant a campus. It's another to say we're going to go and plant the people who are going to lead that campus to be able to do that. Some of your children may very well be a part of our Savior's College of Ministry once they finish across the street. Here's here's the next thing that we're going to do. Uh, We're going to have some new statewide foster care initiatives that we're rolling out. Super excited. The, uh, The governor's wife called, and there's some things on the statewide level that they need some help with. How many of you are grateful that the government would call the church and say, could you help me? We, we can't figure this out. Did you know at one point in time, I think this was a couple years ago, may even still be true, that there were more churches in Louisiana than there were foster kids in the system? Let's let that sink in for just a second. If just one church, if every church would just foster one child, we would eradicate the foster care system. Okay. How many of you think we can handle a little bit more than just one in the middle of, of this? Here's, here's the next one. We're going to increase our addiction, recovery, uh, our addiction recovery across Acadiana. Last year, within a three-month span, just our church alone officiated the funerals of 10 fentanyl overdoses. Three months. Our church, 10 families, rocked and devastated by this. Addiction recovery with the retreat and the center we're doing in our partnership with Teen Challenge was part of our legacy last year that we sowed into and we gave. Can I tell you, you've been a part of assisting over 200 families with the repercussions of addiction that they, that's you, you did that, over 200 families. Over 50 individuals have been placed in addiction recovery and addiction treatment and are changing their lives as we speak because of what you've done last year. Can I tell you there's more trees to plant? We're gonna increase our efforts and continue to do that. And then the last, but the absolutely not least, this is one I'm going to take an entire message next week to unpack for you. We are going to address unplanned pregnancies in Iberia Parish. God willing, 
we're going to make the most significant impact on unplagued pregnancies that Iberia Paris has ever seen. You better be fired up and ready to hear about it or just stay home next week because I'm telling you, that's what we're talking about um, in the middle. Can I tell you, some of these trees, you look at that list, those are large. And I think Isaac looked at my notes earlier when he said, Greater you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. And to think that God would use us, a little church on a cane field, to make a difference across not just Iberia Parish, but across our state. Three ways to be intentional with your life. Number one, I will intentionally give what I have. Here's number two. I will intentionally serve others. I will intentionally serve others. Matthew 20, verse 26. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Can I tell you, serving means being generous with your time and with your abilities. With both your time and your abilities. Every single one of us have an amount of time. Every single one of us have an ability, things that we can do, some things that we can do better than others. Serving God with the time and the ability that you have is how you can be intentional with your life. Here's just a few of the ways that you can serve here locally in our context. We talked about our serve team. You do realize that our Savior's church would not happen without our serve team. Okay? Now listen, if you serve on the serve team, I don't want you to do anything but sit there with a smile on your face and look at me. Let me see the smiles. Okay, thank you. Everybody else, are you grateful that we have a church you can come and worship in and worship with your family and do all that? Can you say thank you for me to all those people who serve week in and week out? Our serve team is a, a group of people who are living intentionally with their lives. Some of them stand there and open the door for you with a big old smile on the face. They don't have to do that. But they're saying, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be intentional with my life. You say, well, Pastor John, is serving at the church the only place I can do on, on the week? No, no, no. Loveacadiana.org. Loveacadiana.org. Every single month across all of Acadiana, we are putting our hands to serving. It's sometimes it's disaster relief. Sometimes we're fixing up neighborhoods. Sometimes we're making schools better. All of those things are there. At this campus, boots on the ground. Cecil, can I get an amen from you? This campus looks as good as it does because there's a group full of people that put their hands to it. Aren't you grateful that we don't have to use tithe dollars to hire a landscaper to keep the flower beds weeded because people that sit next to you show up a couple of times during the month and make sure that this place looks beautiful. They're using both their time and their abilities. This month, we're going to do a Friendsgiving at the Boys and Girls Club with our kids' ministry. You can come be a part of that. This year, like we did last year, we're taking some students from, we call it J-Hop Shopping, from Johnson Hopkins Elementary School. We're taking them shopping for Christmas. They wouldn't have gifts if we didn't. You can come and serve. You've done no shopping until you've taken a little one Christmas shopping. Um, and it's not even on your dime. Well, kind of. You paid for it, but you get the picture. 
Three ways to be intentional with your life. Number one, I will intentionally give what I have. Number two, I will intentionally serve others. And number three, I will intentionally share Christ. I will intentionally share Christ. Can I tell you the best way for you to make a difference is to share your faith. Share your relationship. Share what God has done. This is it's real simple. This is where I was. This is what God did. This is where we're headed. That's it. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about you. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You see this all over scripture, Psalms 105. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing praises, but tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. I want you to invite people to church. Invite people to church, especially during the holiday season. Holidays for many are a time of family, a time of gathering, a time of rest and recuperation and being off of work. But can I also tell you, many, and for some of you in this room, holidays are a season of a reminder of a lost one, a loved one that you don't get to celebrate anymore. Right? We can be the church, and especially in this season, invite people to a place where they can be loved on, where they can be encouraged, where they can be appreciated and introduced to Jesus. Can we be that kind of church? That we'll invite people that will share our faith? I'm telling you, church, living intentionally. That's why I get so fired up about legacy. Living intentionally is the only way to live. There's no other way. No other way. Apostle Paul had a, had a mentee. His name was Timothy. And here's, here's instruction that he gave Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. He says, command, not suggest, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. How many of you can say amen to that? But put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, and only in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. In other words, for your eternity, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Think about that phrase. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Can I tell you there's a life that isn't truly life? It's a life focused only on yourself, only on the here and now. How I many of you had that dream, that goal, that aspiration, and you got there and you were just as empty, if not more empty? I know men who spend all of their health trying to accumulate wealth only to get to the end of their life and then spend all of their wealth trying to maintain their health. There's a life that isn't this life.
life that isn't truly life. But can I tell you, there's also a life that is truly life. And it's a life lived intentionally, pointing towards eternity. Jesus said, I I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. You mean that there's a way to have more in this life than just being alive? There is. But only with Jesus. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. In a moment like this, I don't want anybody looking around. I want you just focused on two voices. I want you focused on mine, and I want you focused on the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna, we're going to take an inventory. I didn't plant this tree for me. Legacy, where my life outlives me. Two questions at the final exam. What did you do with what I gave you? And what did you do with my son, Jesus? At the end of every service on a Sunday, just like this one, there are four kinds of people here in the room. I want you to be thinking about which one you are. There's four of them. Here's the first. Those who know Jesus personally. You're ready for eternity. Your answer to the question, what did you do with my son Jesus, has already been submitted. Can I tell you, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Here's the second group. Those who are religious, but you're empty. Church is just something you do. You're not connected. You're not serving. You're not giving. You're just banking on the fact that you're a good person, but you have no relationship with Jesus. You think about the here and the now, but not about eternity. I'm going to tell you, I'm concerned for you. There's another group of people in here today, those who have drifted away. You may have grown up in church, but you haven't been intentional about your spiritual life, but today you're starting to see things differently. It's as if God has opened your eyes and you see him and you see Jesus in a completely different way. If that's you, can I tell you, I'm excited for you. And then the fourth group, those who are just ready to leave. You don't want to have any part of Jesus. You know you're lost, but you're hurt. Maybe even by church or by a religious person, I'm sorry your hands and your head are not set toward eternity. First chance you get, you'll slip out the back. This final moment of the service is the most uncomfortable for you. If that's you and you're in that fourth group, can I tell you, I prayed for you today. I prayed specifically for you. And I want you to know that God loves you. He has not given up on you. He has led you. He has orchestrated the events of your life to bring you to a moment just like this. He wants a personal relationship with you. Not to be something that you think about, not to be something that you do, but someone you know, that you yearn to spend time with. That in the moments when things are tough and difficult, you lean into and lean on him. He wants you to be that all in all that we talk about that you hear about, that you see on the faces of those who serve around you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you and no matter how far you've gone, 
no matter how long you've been away. Today is that moment. He has eternity planned for you, and he sent Jesus just for you. And I want you to know every single person in here has an opportunity to know Jesus personally, to be prepared and intentional about your eternity. You say, Pastor Don, how do I do it? I say this way every week so you remember. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit. Admit that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from a loving and righteous and holy God. And apart from a solution to that problem, you've got an eternal problem. You will be separated from our Heavenly Father. Admit. B, believe. Believe that God in his loving mercy sent his son Jesus as a payment for, a substitution for you and for your sin. And then C, confess. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Not just the Savior that will save you from the sin problem you have, but the Lord that will lead you and guide you and point your feet and your hands and your head, your giving and your serving toward eternity. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've never raised my hand to be born again. I've never trusted fully in Jesus. I've been trusting on myself. But today I can admit, I believe that Jesus came for me. And I'm ready to confess him as Lord and Savior. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit inside that allows you to even come to this point of a decision. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I want you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you right where you are. Nobody looking around. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm trying to show you that you have an opportunity to know Jesus personally. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying with. And if that's you and you'd like me to pray with you, Pastor Don, I'm ready to be born again. I want to live my life intentionally, pointed toward heaven and eternity. Raise your hand right now from where you're seated. Thank you. I see your hand. Keep them lifted. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand up in the balcony. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Let's put our hands down for just a second before I pray. Say, Pastor Don, I don't want to miss the opportunity. Every week I sit here and I know I should raise my hand, but I don't. I want to give you that opportunity to know Jesus personally. Let me know who I'm praying with and then we'll pray. Raise your hand if that's you. If you already raised your hand, don't raise it. One more time. church, I want all of us to pray, especially those that raise your hand. You can repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with those?
Who raised their hand to be born again?